Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. But today I want you to listen. As I speak to you on the subject, how much do we really care for souls? How much do, you, do, do we really care for souls? Would you stand with me, please? For respect to the scripture. I'm going to carry you to two passages, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. The first one in the Old Testament is from the 142nd Psalm. David is in a cave. Here is a man that was a shepherd boy to king of Israel, a man that walked with God and a man that had some horrendous things happen in his life. And when Satan had a hold of him for a while, and he is writing in one of his darkest hours. You just remember this, as I've said to our church so many times, hurt people hurt people. And when people are hurting, they lash out at everything around them. David is in one of those moments. He is hurting, and he makes a horrific statement to us that we will look at today. So look at the 142nd Psalm. Verse 1, David speaking, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path and the way wherein I walked. Have they privately laid a snare for me? Listen to verse 4. I looked on my right hand and beheld there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. The second passage of Scripture is in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. This is a parable. It is an earthly story, a true story with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable is. Verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. That's Jesus. Tempted Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and you shall live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And then likewise a Levite, while he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn. 
and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. He gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come back, I'll repay you. Now the question. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. And then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. May God bless his word. Thank you for standing for this reading of the scripture. These two stories were recorded hundreds of years apart. Hundreds of years apart. One from the days of David, now into the life of the times of Jesus. There's one thing that is common. We find here two situations where there were two people that were struggling with the world and life as it really is. One of them says from the Old Testament, nobody cares for my soul. The one in the New Testament, in that story, there's a visit. I'll get to that in a moment. But the similarity is that in every generation, in every day, including today, there are people all around us that are desperately in need of help. They desperately need to understand who they are why they're here, where they're going, what they're doing now as compared to where God wants them to go. That is our generation. When we look at David in the cave, he's just simply crying out, nobody cares for me. Nobody cares for my soul. I want to take that statement for a moment and I want to show you some real simple things about how wrong David was. Nobody cared for my soul. Because you see, folks, there's a lot of people like that today that you know. There are a lot of people around you today that are in serious, serious uh, trouble. And in their life, there are some terrible things taking place. And they won't talk about them to you. And some of you won't even bring it up and give them a chance to talk to you about it. But as you think about the people that are around you, I want you to think very clearly about seven things. Number one, these people are lost. They are lost according to the scripture. Listen to Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those which are lost. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you have never been born again, the Bible uses the word lost. You are lost, 2 Corinthians 4, 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to those who are lost. That's what the scripture says. We have knowledge one with another. We have Bible studies that are so fabulous and you miss so much if you don't go, but the lost people don't come to the Bible studies. They are desperately looking around and they're lost and they don't understand that they're lost. They can't understand why things aren't better. Why is their life going astray? Number two, not only are they lost according to the scripture, they're perishing. Listen to, to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
People that are lost are perishing. They're dying daily. Every breath they take is one breath closer to an eternity without God and without hope. Number three, the lost people are condemned. They are condemned. John 3, 18, two verses after John 3, 16 says, He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You are not condemned because a preacher tells you you're condemned. You're not condemned because somebody loves you tells you you're lost and perishing and condemned. You're lost because God tells you you're condemned. And that is an absolute fact. Now, because you are condemned and because you have rejected Jesus as Savior, you're under the wrath of God. John chapter 3, same chapter as John 3, 16, 36 verse. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. But he that believes not on the Son shall not see life because the wrath of God abides on him. Paul said to Rome in the first chapter and verse 18, For the wrath of God, listen to this, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. There it is very clearly taught that those that reject the only way to heaven are under the wrath of the Father who sent his Son to pay for our sin. Number five, people are spiritually blind. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In whom the God of this world, the God of this world, little letters, <clears throat> has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine upon them. Do you understand that verse? The devil has blinded us. He will not let us see the truth if we do not know the Lord. And many of you that I'm talking to right now, you have been blinded. You cannot see what's happening in your world. You cannot see what's happening in your life. You cannot see the love of God. You cannot experience the love of God because Satan has blinded you according to the Scripture. Ephesians 4, 18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. You see how clear it's laid out in the Scripture? Isn't it sad when people don't read the Bible and they wonder, what in the world is wrong with me? Is there a doctor somewhere that I can go to that can figure out what's wrong with my mind? What is wrong with my emotions? What is going wrong in my life? Listen to the Scripture. Not the preacher's opinion. Listen to the clear, inerrant, infallible Word of God. There's a sixth thing. If you're lost, you're spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, 1. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Colossians 2, 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven all trespasses. And then finally, number seven. Those that are lost are without hope. They're without hope. Ephesians 2, 12. 
that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. You didn't ever hear the promise. You didn't know about it. Having no hope and without God, you're in this world. I don't know if you've ever been lost before. You never intend to be lost. Nobody sets out, I'm going to get lost today. When you get lost, you wonder if anybody knows where you are. Number three, you wonder if they care enough about you to come looking for you. The Bible says those without Christ are lost. Some of them know they're lost. Some of them don't know they're lost. Some of them don't know yet, but they're fixing to find out at some time soon that they're lost. Now the question is, is anybody come, come looking for them? Nobody cared for my soul, David said. David, you can just rot in the cage as far as I'm concerned. While the world tells each other to go to hell in their profanity, Christian people just says, I'm not going to tell you nothing, and they just still let you go to hell because I don't care. If you're so ignorant that you can't see that there is a God, I'm not going to fool with you. I'm just going to be holy, holy, holy. That's not what Jesus did. When Jesus went to town, he found the lost people. He didn't want to fellowship with his Christian brothers and sisters. He wanted to find lost people and get them saved. We can fellowship in heaven. That's what it's for, in case you don't know. It's a time to get around the throne of God and fellowship with one another as we praise his holy name. It's all about him. It's all about him. Every day, every day, we touch people who are in that dreadful condition. Today, the world is very concerned, rightfully so, about Ebola virus. We're seeing today how many in three countries of Africa have con contacted it, 4,500. We know there's a boat at Galveston that's quarantined right now. Worried about the spread. We should be. But let me tell you something. I would like for the devil to be worried that a, a lot of people get on fire for Jesus and start telling the lost world that Jesus saves and watch how it moves when it goes from one to 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 one. You see the difference? While we're worried about this, do we care for the souls of people? To get people physically well and they die and spend eternity without God would be a horrible thought because the church did not do his part. Medical science can do their part, but we need to do our part. Whether living or dead, we're with the Lord. That's a good thing. And that's what we're trying to do right now at our church. That's the whole purpose of these coming days. And we're moving toward a time on Resurrection Week for the first time ever in our church and maybe the first time in any church we're going to pray that God will send a great revival on Easter week, beginning the Sunday before Easter and closing it out on Resurrection Sunday when we will see hundreds of people come to know Christ as Savior because the word has been spread, because people love their neighbors as themselves. So the question, do we care? Can I get personal? Do you care where your family spends eternity? Do you care about your family that does not know the Lord? Do you care? Those that married in your family or those that were born into your family? Do you care? How about your closest friend? Now, come on. The guy you fish with, the guy you play golf with, the guy you hunt with, the guy you work with, do you care? Or do you say it's his business? No, it's not his business. It's God's business, and God's assigned that business to us and given us what's called the Great Commission. But the, the, the question is, do you? you really care 
How about your classmates if you're in school? How about your neighbors? Do you care? Do you care about your political leaders as to where they spend eternity? Are you just concerned about how it affects you and yours? That's the question of the hour. Do we care for the souls of people? Do we care if they perish? Do we care if they go to heaven? There's nothing worse than dying without Jesus. Nothing worse. But when you know that absent from the body, I'm present with the Lord, not bad. We were talking about one of our, our wonderful members that, members that just stepped into heaven, how he was saying to his family, I want to go home. I want to go to be with Jesus. I want to go to be with him. But David is crying out in a cave, nobody cares for my soul. Let me just real quickly answer David. <clears throat> and I want to answer your question. If you are not a believer today, if you're watching anywhere in the world and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you've never invited him to come into your heart, I want to ask, and you ask me the question, I want to hear your question, does anybody care? Let me just share with you, first of all, God the Father cares. God the Father cares. How do you know? Let me ask you a question. How long did it take Adam and Eve, once they were put in the garden and started sinning, how long did it take for God to show up and try to deal with that mess? If you know anything about the book of Genesis, it doesn't take you very long reading till you'll find out. In the beginning, God created. He puts them in the garden. Perfect environment, perfect place. Nobody to blame. No political parties, no churches, no denominations, no whatever. And they sin. And they go hide. And Jesus doesn't say, just stay there. You and the big snake. <laughs> he showed up. Hear me, folks. I'm talking now to those of you that are not believers. God the Father cares where you spend eternity. Isaiah 45, 22, Old Testament. Look to me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Ezekiel 33, 11, the prophet Ezekiel, Say unto them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but the wicked would turn from his way and live. Turn you. Turn you from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Talking to the most blessed people on the planet, Israel, and says, why are you going to stay in your sin and die? I don't want that to happen I find no pleasure in your being punished for your sin. In the New Testament, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as, men, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. That's what God thinks about you. God wants you to be saved. And the greatest proof is John 3, 16 again. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son to die on a cross so you could have entrance into heaven for all of eternity. David says, nobody cares for my soul. You may say the same thing. I'm telling you, God cares for your soul. Galatians 4, 4. 
But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. We can be adopted into the family. 1 John 4, 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Is that you? He sent him to be your Savior, lost person. He sent him to be your Savior, whatever place you're watching from. Those of you in the penitentiary, God sent, if you don't know the Lord, God sent him to save you. And in your time of confinement, you can come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. God's done everything possible. There's nothing else he can do. He made a way. He made a way. Who cares about lostness? God does. Let me tell you quickly, the Lord Jesus cares too. Not only does God the Father care, but the Lord Jesus cares where you spend eternity. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul said, of whom I am chief. Jesus was born a babe in Bethlehem. He offered himself to the Father to come and pay for the sins of the world. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he has made him, capital H, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, he knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Philippians 2, 8. And being found in a fashion as a man, that's talking about Jesus, he, capital H, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God the Father cares. God the Son, Jesus, cares. But let me tell you something else. The Holy Spirit cares. The Holy Spirit cares. The third part of the Trinity. Revelation twenty-two seventeen. I talked about this a few weeks ago, the last invitation in the Bible. And the Spirit and the Bride, capital S, Spirit, and the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. The Bride is the church. Let him that hears say, Come. Let him that is a thirsty come. <clears throat> and whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Wow. The first warning in Genesis 6 is, My Spirit will not always strive with a man. Right off the bat, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts you. I'm speaking to many people. You're not under conviction. The Holy Spirit is not dealing with you one iota, but some of you, he is. He is. For those of you are not, you just have to endure for a few more minutes. But those of you that is, you can have a brand new life before you walk out of this building today. But you've got to understand that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. You've got to understand that God cares where you spend eternity. Jesus cares where you spend eternity. The Holy Spirit cares where you spend eternity. Hear the words of Jesus, John 6, 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Hebrews 3, 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. Now, that covers the Godhead. The Father cares. The Son, Jesus, cares. The Holy Spirit cares. Does anybody else care? I got two more for you. The people in heaven care. Yes, your mother cares if she's there. Yes, your daddy cares if he's there. Yes, your best friend cares if he's there. The people in heaven care where you spend eternity. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what God's got prepared for those that love him. Luke 15 and 10. 
Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. For those of you in prison, it's like roll call. The prisoners tell me, and we heard about one the other night, hadn't got a letter in so many years, but when they're listening, is my name going to be called? My name? Can you imagine what it's like when the mother of a wayward son, when she died, gives his heart to Jesus, and they announce in heaven, these got saved today. Can you imagine what that mother's going to do? Can you imagine what that dad's going to do? Can you imagine what that real friend is going to do? I just didn't think you'd ever humble yourself and repent. I just thought you had too much pride. I gave up on you. I apologize. The people in heaven cares. Not only do the angels care, but those that are in the presence of the angels care because a lost sinner has come home. Those that are there are watching. What they see and hear we are, told in the, we are not told in the scriptures. But there's going to be an announcement made. I don't know what they know about our sins. I know all of us hope they don't know anything about them. Not my son, not my daughter, not my wife, not my husband. But here's the thing we do know. That there's going to be rejoicing in heaven when sinners get saved. And let me tell you another thing. That's four. The Father cares, the Son cares, the Holy Spirit cares, the people in heaven care. The last one, the people in hell care. The people in hell care. How do you know? How do you know that, preacher? Because the Bible says so. Matter of fact, Jesus said so. Luke 16, 27. You remember the story. The rich man. Lazarus, they both die. Lazarus goes to heaven. The rich man goes to hell. Remember the story? Let me pick up just, a, just two verses. Luke 16, 27 and 28. He asks, he cries for water. Just bring us water that I can just dip my tongue in the water. I'm tormented in these flames. Can't happen, they tell him. We can't do that. Here's what he says. Then he said, this is a rich man in hell. He says, I pray you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. The people in hell don't want you there. Your ex-girlfriend, your ex-husband, your best friend in college, I don't care who it is, they're saying, don't come here to this place called hell. Don't come here. They care where you spend eternity. While you think it's going to be one big, unworldly party, it is not that. That's for another day, what hell is like. But what you've got to understand is the people don't, of hell don't want you there. They don't hate you even that much. They say, I hope you come get a little of this I'm getting. They don't even hate you that much. They care. They care. Listen, Andrew got saved in the New Testament. He cared enough. He went and got his brother his name was Simon Peter. Remember him? You don't hear much about Andrew, but you hear about Simon Peter. And it's in the first chapter of John, verses 40 through 42. One of the two which heard John speak followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first finds his own brother 
and says unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. That's what we're talking about. That's sharing Jesus. That is sharing our faith, bringing the people that we love. He brought his brother to Jesus. Philip in the Bible. He goes out and gets a guy named Nathaniel. It's in John 1, Now, Philip was of Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. He heard what Andrew did. He went and got his brother, so he gets moved. Well, let me go find somebody. If Andrew, as timid as he is, can go find and bring his brother and break through that personality conflict, I'm going to go looking. So Philip finds Nathaniel, and he said unto him, this is verse 44 and 45. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said unto him, You come and see. Notice he didn't say, Go down there where the cross is. They have services on Sunday. I'm going to the football game, but go down there. You'll have a good time. He said, Come go with me. Come go with me. Come go with me. Come go with me. Because this is my custom. When the worship takes place, I'm going to be there. That's the kind of a testimony this one had. Number three, uh, illustration, the woman at the well. You remember her? Fourth chapter of John, verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, said unto the men, Come see a man which told me all the things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And then they went out of the city, and they came unto him. You remember that woman? Five husbands, been divorced five times, now is living, a man she, living with a man she wasn't married with. Jesus comes, drops off the party. They go into town, get something to eat. He stands to talk to this Samaritan woman. He, a Jew, talks to a Samaritan. She gives her heart to Christ, and immediately she goes back to all the people whose lives she's been running with, and she brings those old friends of the devil to the Lord Jesus Christ. People do care. What an illustration. What an illustration. Paul, the apostle, Jew, Gentiles were despised. This is a Jewish Messiah. But, but Paul was called to take the gospel from the Jews because they rejected it to take it to the Gentiles. And in 1 Timothy 1:11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed unto my trust, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Listen, folks, it's fun when you know God loves you and thinks enough of you that he knows somebody you can bring to Jesus. All you've got to do is just say, where is he? Where is she? I'm going after. And you may call Job Job and Psalms Palms and think concordance is a book of the Bible. <laughs> but when the Holy Spirit leads you, he will do the talking. You can just start talking. You may start talking in Hebrew, and they'll hear you in English. That's what the speaking in tongues is in the Bible, by the way. Everybody hears about Jesus in their own language. But God is looking for people that will go out because they care for the souls of other people. If I can make some suggestions to you today, I'll give you three real quick. Every day recognize the fact that God wants to use you in bringing others to know him. He wants you to be available to him. <clears throat> Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, they're thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Not only should you recognize that God wants to use you, but every day put yourself at God's disposal. When you have your morning prayer, your coffee, 
Just breathe a prayer like, dear God, put me somewhere today when I can tell somebody about you. I can tell them what you've done in my life. I can just tell them about you. Put me in that place. You see, if you give God your life, your mind, your spirit, your talents, your energy, your gift, your family, your job, your recreational activity, give it all to him. Give it all to him and ask God to use it. Your eyes, your ears, your mind, your hands, your feet. Lord, use these. In Acts chapter 8, verse 29, then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. Philip ran to him, heard him reading the, the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? You say, what in the world does that mean? Well, a man had been to church. He was somewhat a responsible man. He's on his way home from church, and he's reading his Bible. And Philip sees him reading his Bible. He says, he says you know what you're reading? He didn't. But he's reading about Jesus. So he got up and showed him what he's reading. The next scene in the story in Acts chapter 8 is they're coming to some water, and, they, and the guy that got saved said, whoa, 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 here's much water. Why can't I be baptized? Hold this chariot down. I want to be baptized. I got a new life, and I want to tell the world about it. That's the way God works. Don't only <clears throat> recognize that God wants to use you and don't uh, just make everything you have belong to the Holy Spirit and just put it at his disposal. But expect something to happen. Expect something to happen. <laughs> just see it. You wouldn't want Jesus in your life, would you? That's, that's my kind of, you know. You sure wouldn't want to get baptized, would you? You wouldn't want to be saved, would you? What if they said, yeah, oh, now what I do? I just knew you were going to say no. But under the power of the Holy Spirit, it may shock you. It may shock you. Let me just real quickly close with the illustration of the second passage, the Good Samaritan. Remember the story. Man fell among thieves. The first one was a thief. You know what the thief said? He said, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. So the man fell among thieves. Remember that? Then the next one comes along, and he's a priest, and the next one is a Levite. They're spiritual guys. They come by. One of them just looks over there and says, mm-mm-mm. And the other one goes over and looks and has a little bit more passion, but then he decides to go on his way. You know what he's saying? What's mine is mine, and I just think I'll keep it. Hope you get better. Hope somebody comes along and cares for you. But what's mine is mine. I'm going to keep it. But there was that third character, thank God. He's called the Good Samaritan. Now, how would that fit into my little formula there? What's mine can be yours if you want it. Let me help you. Let me help you. First, you need a little help. Get up on your feet. Let me take you to the end. Let me make sure you get good care. I'm going to get some others to come with me. That's because we all got spiritual gifts. That's where church comes. Come on, let me take you to the church. I want to meet some people. I want you to go to Bible study with me. I want to come to worship with me. I want to do whatever, you know. I want to go with you. But what they're saying is, what is mine is yours if you want it. When Jesus came into our heart, he didn't stop there. There's still a world out there that needs Jesus.
The question is, does anybody care? Does anybody care? I am very moved when I see stories like come across the news this week and the, the young lady's body being found and all that went into that. I don't begrudge one dime that was spent or one hour that was spent. I just wish it would be an example to us to go after law centers. Doesn't matter how long it takes. Doesn't matter how much it costs. One soul is, is important to God. If there had been one person on the planet, God would have sent his son Jesus to die for you. And his says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the church has a responsibility until every person on the globe has heard the gospel and either received it or rejected it. But we must educate ourselves and how the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son work together through us to reach them. We have no power in and of ourselves. Our wisdom is foolishness to God. All power is here. But he chooses us to be like a, a wire from the source of power to the need for power. And we're the conduit through which it can flow. To let God flow through you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. There's two groups of people that are here and that are on the planet today. Those that know the Lord and are believers and born again and children of God and those that are not. And everybody here is in one of those two groups. If you say, I know that Jesus lives in my life, uh, I've, I experience him on a continual basis. He encourages me when I'm down. He, he gives joy when I'm sad. He gives hope when I'm hopeless. He gives me help when I'm helpless. He listens when nobody else will. And he seems to always give me a chance to some way help him fulfill his will on earth. And, but I know I know he lives because he lives within my soul. That's one group. The other group is those that would say, I can't say that. I've done the religious bit. I've gone to church. I believe there's a God. I believe, uh, you know, I believe the Bible, I think. I don't know, but I think I do. Uh, but there's no assurance. There's no hope. There's no peace. There's not any desire for you to care about others like Jesus did. I'm talking to you this morning. Is there any reason today that you would give that God in heaven would accept as to why you're rejecting his son who died on the cross for you? A reason that he would accept, not somebody else, that he would accept. Today is the day of salvation. Now is accepted time. That's what the scripture says. So why don't you come? You can't say nobody cares. We care. This whole facility is here for you. That cross was out there for you. And the connection center that I'm telling you about right now, back in the back of this building, not in this room here, but behind this room, just off the, of the big foyer outside, between this room and that foyer, there's a very large private room where people have slipped out now to go to pray with you if you really want Jesus in your life. Maybe you've brought somebody with you today and you say, I'd just like to go with them so we could just talk to somebody because there's an interest there. Nobody's gonna, going to uh, push on you to make a decision. The Holy Spirit has to do that. 
But you just need to know what your options are. And so when we sing this song, <clears throat> we wouldn't ask you, if you want to just have a little bit of a break so the devil can't divert you, you can slip out and go into that room. The song will last less than a minute, and then we'll all be dismissed. Those of you to come get your Bible can come over here to the hospitality room to my left. If you go to the Connection Center and you haven't gotten a family Bible, you can sure get one there. Dear God, I pray for this moment. As we sing, we understand the invitation is coming from you. And we just simply say, as your bride, that sinners are welcome here. And this is a place of learning, a place of growth, and a place of building relationships with the family. And a place of getting the gospel to the uttermost part of the world, beginning with, in Houston. So, Father, would you just speak to the hearts, those that are here that are saved and need a church home. They're members of churches that do, they do not or they cannot attend. Churches that have a focus and direction that's different from where they have their heart and their focus. Would you just let us tell them more by talking with them? Just lead them to us, Father. May they go to the Connection Center as well or come to the hospitality room. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.